Amen. Is that your desire this morning? Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I want to welcome visitors, Brother Liz Paul, all the way from Iowa. He's uh, in charge of the choir that'll be singing here for the youth banquet weekend. So, Brother Liz, good to have you in the house of the Lord this morning. Anybody streaming, may God bless you as well. Bear with us trying a different microphone this morning. He knows my name, every step that I take. He counts the stars, one and all. He knows how much sand is on the shores. He sees every sparrow that falls. He made the mountains and the seas. He's in control of everything, of all
so good to us, isn't he? Amen. Let's try that little chorus. I think we just did it a few weeks ago. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He is worthy to be praised and adored. So we lift up holy hands in one accord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. He is worthy to be praised and adored. So we lift up holy hands in one accord. offering this morning. Amen. You can bring your mission offering at this time, friend of God. <clears throat> oh, who am I that you are mindful of me? Oh, that you hear me when I call. that you are thinking of me oh how you love me it's amazing it's amazing I am a friend of God I am a friend of God I am a friend of God he calls me
God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Oh yes, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me receive the morning tithe and offering this time house of gold <clears throat> I'd rather be in a deep dark grave and know that my poor soul was saved than to live in this world in a house of gold and deny my God and lose my soul Some people steal They cheat and lie For wealth and what It can buy But don't they know On the judgment day That gold and silver Oh, and I, my God, and 
feel like praising him. I feel like praising, praising him. Oh yes, I feel like praising, praising him. Praise him in the morning, praise him all day long. Cause I feel like praising, praising him. Oh, I feel like praising, praising him. I feel like praising, praising him. Praise him in the morning, praise him all day long. Cause I feel like praising, praising him. I'm going to praise the Lord while I have a chance. Praise Him in the morning. Praise Him all day long. Cause I feel like praising, praising Him. Oh, I'm going to praise the Lord while I have a chance. I'm going to praise the Lord while I have a chance. Praise Him all day long. I feel like praising, 
have been blessed. You can be seated this morning. testimony uh i had spoken with brother daniel about it we had uh you know the brother daniel preaches in the bible says it says as your soul prospers everything else will be added to you well maybe not in those exact words but uh we've been after this maybe simple to some but it's big to me my brother had been after this builder for 15, 16 years to do his work. And somebody told me the other day, he said, you need to talk to this builder. And I said, no, if he wants me to do his work, he'll call me. So me and my wife was leaving out of town Friday, and I said, you know, I sure wish to God that I could, their names are Cox Builders. I said, I sure wish to God I could get Cox Builders. We got back on Monday, Tuesday morning, I get a call. He said, I'm looking for a good sheetrock man. I said, thank you, Lord. In his time, it happens. Thank God for it. Y'all know this song, Help Me Sing It. At night, I lay in bed. And I began to cry And my mind just fails to know Exactly why I can't explain With tongue open The spirit's grown and deep within it must be God here in my soul. I feel the Ah uh-huh. 
thankful for the pool. So many times the devil will make, at least me, make me think I messed up too bad. Whatever I did was too big. But I'm thankful for that pool there to remind me that devil, once again, is just a liar. Amen. God is so good to us. We'll go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Um, I do have a, a personal praise report for my family and I. There's, I won't get into the details, but something we were uh, worried about, prayed about, and uh, financially it could have been a big, uh, a big hit to us. But God stepped in, and um, it was nothing, nothing at all. So I just want to thank the Lord once again, answering prayers. Sometimes we put the cart before the horse, so they say, you know, worry about it, and God had it all in control the whole time. Amen. Um, Brother Basile will be having eye surgery this Tuesday, so he's asked for our prayer, and we'll certainly remember our brother in prayer, believing that once he comes out of that, it'll be so much better for him. We know God can do it. He made the eyes, guide the surgeon's hand, everything will be perfect. And I believe our pastor is having the knee surgery, knee replacement surgery tomorrow. And we know the work is already done. But I believe what Brother Terrence said the other night, this will be the fastest recovery they've ever seen for a knee replacement. No complications, just be lickety split as they say, and just be amazed at how quick he's back up here dancing all over this platform. Amen. And uh, uh, Brother Blessing and Sister Mita home with Little Miracle. Very thankful for that, so let's continue to hold them up. The Lord will strengthen them, being new parents, and give them the wisdom and guidance that they need uh, in this new aspect of their life. And uh, Brother George and Sister Trish overseas in Japan, let's hold them up in prayer. And the different ones, Brother Mike's cousin, David Blevins, let's remember him. And Sister Tia's mom, Doris Hawkins, let's remember her as well. And Sister Tia, she's helping her mom through this time period. Amen. Anybody have an unspoken prayer request? Amen. Brother Jimmy, you come take us to the Lord in prayer this morning if you don't mind. Thanks God. Uh, certainly uh, appreciate your prayers. I went down to uh, try to uh, help my mother out for assistance and you know it's, you know we prayed but uh, Bauer talks about faith and he said, show me your works, and I'll show you my faith. So, you know, we can only do so much, especially in my mother's condition. And we just praying that the Lord will move in a mighty way and open the proper doors for us to uh, be able to do whatever that we need to do. She's still at home. I have a nephew there that, that's overseas her, and, uh, and he's not doing the best job that he should be doing. But by the grace of God, uh, she, she's still praising the Lord and, you know, and just asking for our prayers each and every day and I really appreciate the prayers of the saints here uh, on that behalf and I also have a second note on top of it I was certainly glad to see uh, brother uh, blessing and sister Mita with the new birth newborn child that's sure a blessing to them and I know it's a life changing event but we give God and I know they give God all the glory for that because they did have the complications but I also want to stand in stand before you and tell you that I am a uh, second, second grandparents. Christopher and his wife, my son, had birthday baby girl last night, yesterday evening, I should say. Yeah, yeah, so. 
I'm so thankful, thankful for that too. You know, they they had many complications along the way too, and this is their first one. And he's excited, and I told him, hey, hey there's a lot, it's a lot of responsibility, so you better buckle up and get ready for it. Yeah. But with all that being said, thanks to God. Let's go before God and ask God to bless the service and bless our gathering here. Our Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we uh, certainly thank you, Lord God, for all that you have to us, Lord. Knowing, Lord God, there's nothing in this life we can do and nothing that we want to do about you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy and your kindness, Lord God. We thank you for all that you have to us, Lord, leading guidance along the way, Lord. Lord, when we look out upon the world, Lord, that we're in here, Lord God, and look at the, the numbers that here, Lord, that's in your presence, Lord God, or oh, as just a drop in the bucket, Lord. Oh, God, we should be so grateful and so thankful, Lord God, and know you, Lord God, and hear your call, Lord, when you call us in doing our life, Lord. I know each one is excited, Lord God, for serving you and giving you all they got, Lord God. Knowing, Lord God, you'll take what they give you, Lord God, but, Lord, the more that they give, Lord, the more that you will take. Oh, God, but we should not, anyone should hold back anything, Lord God, because you're worthy of the praise. Lord, we have seen many miracles and many blessings, Lord, that you have stored upon our brothers and sisters here, Lord, during our time, Lord, being here. Here's other requests with Brother Bethsaida, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you go into the surgery with him, Lord, and I don't even have to ask that it will be successful, Lord, but we're going to thank you, Lord God, for moving in a mighty way for our brother, Lord. Lord, there is nothing that you do that we can have a second thought or a second guess about. Lord, once we make that request unto you, Lord God, we should... So start praising you and giving you thanks, Lord God. I remember seeing many times in the prophet prayer line, he said, go away, thanking God, praising God, giving him thanks, giving him glory. Oh, God, we should always do that, Lord. Not one can ever say, Lord, that you failed them, Lord God. Now, Pastor, Lord God, we see the many, many, many battles that he have been through and we see the many battles that you have brought him through, Lord God. And, Lord, we are so thankful of our pastor, Lord, knowing, God, that this, this, this place, Lord, that he was talking about, the, the Levitical priesthood just the other night, Lord God. Oh, God, they have so much responsibilities upon their shoulders, Lord God. But, Lord, there's special people, Lord, because you, oh, God, picked them, Lord God, and... You didn't give them anything else, Lord God, but you just gave them the service, the, the responsibility of serving you, and, oh, God, what a responsibility that will be, Lord. Oh, God, knowing that each one will be rewarded, God, according to what they do, Lord God. You tell us in your word, Lord, that we have to give an account for every word and every thought, Lord, that crosses our mind, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you continue, Lord, to help our pastor, Lord, and bless the ones that are here and the ones that come in, Lord God. Knowing, Lord God, each time that we have come with like present faith, Lord, we leave here as a better person, Lord, because we've been fed, Lord. 
I don't recall knowing anyone that pulls up to a table and walk away being sick, Lord, not unless they were sick before they sat down. But once one eat, oh God, what is prepared and set before them, Lord, usually they give them scrimp and they help them to move on, Lord. May you continue, Lord, to use our pastor to feed us, Lord God, and lead and guide us, Lord God, and watch over our soul, Lord, and help us each one, Lord of God, and oh, come quickly, Lord, and repent of anything that we said and done is not lacking to you, Lord God. Lord, may you bless these families that just had these children, Lord God. Oh, they're going to need your help, Lord God. This world is falling apart, Lord. There's trouble on every side, Lord. Oh, we just love you. We just thank you, Lord God, that, oh God, that we can come in a place, Lord God, and hear the truth, Lord God, and, oh God, with no compromise and being given, Lord God, rather it hurt, oh God, we still have to say amen to the word, Lord God. Use our brother, Lord, in a mighty way. Bless each one, Lord God. There is some that desire to be here, Lord God, maybe sick in their body, oh Lord God, or maybe in a place that they can't come. Oh, God, you can reach out to them also, Lord. I pray, pray that you continue, Lord, that just to continue, Lord, to have your way, Lord God. Help us, oh, God, to never hold back but to give all that we have, Lord. Lifting you up, Lord, that you may draw all men unto you, Lord. We love you and we thank you, Lord, and we ask these many blessings. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Cover me as we invite our pastor out this morning. See what the Lord will have for us this morning. <clears throat> oh, peace of God, cover me. Cover me. Cover me. Oh, peace of God, cover me.
Cover me when I am hurting. Cover me when I'm not strong. Cover me when I am going through the storm. Cover me when all seems hopeless. When my strength is gone, let the peace that passes all I understand. Cover me, cover me, cover me when I am hurting, cover me when I'm not strong, cover me when I am going through the Cover me when all seems hopeless. Cover me when my strength is gone. Let the peace that passes all I understand. Cover me. Cover me. Praise the Lord. There's not a one of us here this morning that's not going through something that needs the peace of God to cover us. Because he said, my peace, my peace I give unto you. The peace that passes all understanding. That no matter what you go through in life, because life sometimes can throw you a curve that it's tough to handle. Life is not meant to be easy. God never promised an easy life. But the one thing he did promise was, I'll be with you. It don't have to be easy, but as long as I know he's with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they cover me. I'm so glad that no matter what we go through, I know I'm facing surgery in the morning. 26, number 26, 26 surgeries in 23 years. And through every one of them, he's been with me. I'm standing here today as a witness. No matter what you go through, he's with you. And that's all that matters. He said, I'm the Alpha and now I'm the Omega. All this in between, don't worry about that either. Because I promise you, I'll be with you. And he promised where two or more would gather in my name. I will be there. I is a personal pronoun. I believe he's here this morning. Praise the Lord. If you would, this morning, remember Sister Nellie Hughley. She uh, lost her son. He passed away a couple days ago. And um, Sister Brenda and Brother uh, Ray and Sister Sean are at the funeral this afternoon. So remember Sister Nellie, if you would. Hold her up before the Lord. Uh, I know in life, losing someone that's near and dear to you is never easy. I don't care if you're expecting it. I don't care if, it, if, it, if death is imminent. It's never easy to let them go. Uh, the flesh always wants them to stay here. Even sometimes in, in, in bad health, if they're in bad health, uh, the flesh just likes them to be here, wants their presence to be here. And, uh, but then sometimes you come to a place, Lord, just going to take them on home. They'd be better off at home than they are here. And even in that, it's 
you're going to miss them. So it's tough. So just remember, Sister Nellie, if you would, hold her up before the Lord. Isaiah chapter 5, let's go to the Word this morning. I'm quickly building a long-winded preacher reputation, and I'm really not doing that on purpose. But uh, (laughs) I am glad that we serve a God that has given us a message that is endless, that is uh, infinite, that you can never exhaust it. No matter what scripture you go to, there's always more that you can dig out of it. But the thing about it is, in order to get what's in there, you got to dig. If you want gold, you got to dig. If you want silver, you got to dig. And the deeper you dig, the better the gold. Isaiah chapter 5. Start with verse 11. It's good to be in church. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 5, verse 11. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night till wine inflame them. And the harp and the viol and the tabret and the pipe and the wine are in their feasts, but they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of His hands. Therefore my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge and their honorable men are famished and their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore, hell hath enlarged herself. Notice it's in the feminine attribute. Hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure. And their glory and their multitude and their pomp. And he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. And the mean man shall be brought down and the mighty man shall be humbled. And the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment. And God that is holy shall be sanctified in righteousness. Then shall the lambs feed after their manner, and the waste places of the fat ones shall strangers eat. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity, and sin as it were with a cart rope. That that say, let him make speed and hasten his work, that we may see it. And let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come, that we may know it. Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil. That put darkness... For light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked, listen, which justify the wicked for reward. And take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Therefore as the fire devoureth the stubble. The flame consumeth the chaff. So their root shall be as rottenness. And their blossom shall go up as dust. Because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts. And despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against his people. And he hath stretched forth his hand against them and hath smitten them. 
and the hills did, did tremble, and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. You can be seated. I've got to go ahead and take this off. This is going to be a tough one. But God built me for it so we can handle it. I want to speak to you this morning actually from the message Shalom. When Brother Branham talks about the great symphony. And on, as a title, I'm going to title it, The Symphony Has Changed. We're living in an hour where Second Timothy chapter 3, if, you want to, if they want to put that up there for you. We see that Paul by vision, seeing the day that we live in. 2 Timothy 3.1, he says, This know also that in the last days, perilous, that word perilous means hard to deal with, hard to do. In the last days, perilous times shall come. Now, he's not speaking of his day. He said in the last days. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. We are living in those times. I could take every one of those things that Paul mentions and I could break it down. I don't have time this morning, but I could break every one of those things that Paul said would be in the last days and prove to you that it is happening right now. That what Paul's seen and what Paul prophesied to Timothy is going on right now. We see prophecy fulfilled before us and yet people are living like Jesus is not on his way. If people really believed that God could come at any time, they would live different. But people don't really believe he could come at any time. People even in the message are dropping their standards and their morals. And living more loosely than they have ever lived. I'm going to preach this morning. So you might as well just go ahead and enjoy it. Because I'm going to preach until he says stop. They're dropping their standards and their morals. And doing things and living, living the kind of life that they thought they would never live. That at one time they called things wrong that are now right. Or okay. Things are coming into people's homes. Men are allowing things in their lives, in their families' lives that they would have never thought they would have allowed. And and, and in the midst of that, there's no conviction. It doesn't bother them because now they're looking at the world and they're looking at the nominal world and they're looking at Hollywood and they're looking at all kinds of things around us that other people are doing. That is not our standard. Our standard is the Word of God. The Bible was written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That is to guide us. That is to lead us. God himself wrote the Bible. 
Men did not write the Bible. Men were inspired to write the Bible. But instead, we, the, the, the church is coming, and I'm talking to my message churches too, so don't get me wrong. I don't know much about nominal Christians, but I know a lot about what goes on in the message. And I keep a lot of this stuff from you people because I don't want to discourage anybody. But you have to understand that fanaticism follows every revival. Every move of God, fanaticism follows. People go too far this way or people go too far this way. It's hard for people to keep a balance. And that's one thing that I have asked God since the very beginning, Brother Chris, is that God would keep me in the middle of the road. That God would keep me preaching a balance and not compromise and not go too far to the right or too far to the left, but to stay right in the middle of the road. And Brother Brandon was told, said, if you stay in the middle of the road, you're going to get run over. He said, no, this is a one-way street. So we don't have to get worried about getting run over. So when Paul says these things that men will be lovers of their own selves and we see that happening, uh, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, that's without self-control. Friend, we see these things happening before us. Now, as I said a couple weeks ago that uh, through genetics and through my mother and my father, I was born with just a little bit of music in me. I know a little bit about music. I was in band. I played the trumpet in middle school, so I know a little bit about music. I can read uh, a little bit of music as far as there's two, two, there's a top and there's a bottom, there's a treble clef and there's a bass clef. Now, some of you will not have a clue what I'm talking about, but some of you will. I can read treble clef because that's what trumpet was in, but bass clef, I can't read it. Uh, but I can read treble clef because that's where the trumpet notes were in. Now, when you're playing in a band or a symphony and you have an orchestra and you have all these people that are playing these different instruments and everybody that played a certain instrument was in a certain group. If they, if they played a woodwind instrument like a saxophone or a clarinet, they was in a certain uh, um, place together. If you played a, a, a trumpet or, or a trombone or something like that, you was in a certain place. And if you played another kind of instrument, they kept you together in your instrument. Whatever you played, you stayed together. And everybody had their sheet music before them on, on, their, on their music stand. But everybody's sheet music was not the same. Because the clarinets played a certain part, the saxophones played a certain part, the trombones played a certain part, the tuba played a certain part, the trumpets played a certain part. But see, there was one man that was leading the entire orchestra. He was leading the entire symphony. We had one director. We didn't have two. We had one director, and he had a little bitty stick. He had a little bitty stick, and he had to stand before him, and he would, that meant shut up. We're fixing to get started. And all of our eyes, and we was trained. Now, I was in the fifth and sixth grade when I played in, in middle school. And, and, and we was taught uh, on the onset when we, when we started playing that you keep, now it's, it's difficult to do, but you have to almost keep one eye on the music and one eye on the director. And you end up being cross-eyed. You're like... Trying to look at both at the same time. But you have to keep your eyes on the director because the director has all the music. He has the clarinet's music. He has the saxophone's music. He has the, he has the trumpet music. He has everybody's music before him. 
So he knows when the clarinets to play, the saxophones are to play, the trumpets are going to play. But everybody don't play the same thing at the same time. So you learn these notes. There are certain notes that you play, but there, there comes a time... In the sheet music, there's, there's, a, there's a symbol. There's all kinds of symbols in music. And there was a symbol that I had to learn that was a rest symbol. That meant that you put your horn, you put your, your, my, my trumpet, you set it on your knee and you waited. You didn't play because you're in a time of rest. And other, other, other members of the, uh, of the band were playing their part. And then it would come a time as you follow on with the with the, the song that we're playing as you follow on because you have to keep going or you'll m- miss your time when you have to come back in. And then you have to come back in and start playing again. And then there maybe come, depending on the song, there'll come another time you see that same symbol. It's a time of rest. So you put your trumpet on your knee again. And others are playing. And then while you play, maybe somebody else has a time of rest. But see, the director knows when everybody's supposed to play and when everybody's supposed to re- have a time of rest. And it comes when, when, when you understand music and, and, and an orchestra or symphony or band or whatever the case may be, that, that sometimes in certain songs there's actually a change in the beat. And that's a difficult thing to do is to, in the middle of a song is to change the rhythm or change the beat of the song. But you have to follow along and if, and if you get distracted... Onto something else, and you take your eyes off the music, and you take your eyes off the director, and you get you get uh, distracted from somewhere else, then you're gonna make a mistake. I'll never forget we was, we was doing a like I said, I was in the fifth, sixth grade. We was just kids, and so we had a we had a school program that we uh, it was like a you know a, a, a whatever you call it. We had a time that we played, and our parents came and and, and listened to us, and so. Uh, we was up there and we was on stage and, and the whole band was up there and we had a guy and I'll never forget it. His name was Bernard Westbrook. It's amazing how things, I was in the fifth grade and I still remember it. And I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what he was thinking, but he was supposed to be in a time of rest on his sheet music. He was supposed to be quiet. And all of a sudden he started playing something and nobody knew what he was doing. He took his eyes off the music. Took his eyes off the director. Hello, somebody. You're going to get out of line if you get your eyes off the wrong thing. See, we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Got to keep our eyes on the Word. We got to stay in the message. Can you say amen? To know when the symphony changes. See, when your part, see, everybody's got a part to play. You got your own sheet music. But see, you got to know, see, there's a time to be a lion and there's a time to be a lamb. There's a time to speak and there's a time to shut up. And we got to be sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit to know when to do what. In this world that we're living in, friend, they are calling, absolutely calling good evil and evil good. They are calling bitter sweet and sweet bitter. They have got everything backwards. Nobody even knows if they're male or female. I was watching a Congress hearing the other day when a man, uh, one of our congressmen, not Georgia, but from another state, was asking this, this, uh, this lady uh, a certain questions about gender and all that's going on with gender. And he said, ma'am, he said, how many genders are there? This is what she said. Now, it's supposed to be an educated woman. She said, it's infinite. 
He said, you're telling me that there's not two genders. She said, that's exactly what I'm telling you. We have not yet found out how many genders there are. Now, when I go back to the, to the book, God's book, He made two. And He didn't just make two in the human race. Why is it there are other genders in the animal race? Why aren't there binaries in the, in the, in the animal race? It, 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 it's coming to the place to where people can, uh, on a certain day, if they don't want to identify as a man or a woman or even a human, they can identify as an animal. And it's being accepted in our culture that people can identify with whatever or whoever they choose to identify with. Calling evil good and, and good evil and now training children from... From very, very young ages, two, three, four, what do you want to be? Now, you was born this way. Your anatomy is this way. Biologically, you was born this. But what do you want to be? And then the mutilation starts. If they don't want to be a boy and want to be a girl, then they'll take them to a doctor that will mutilate them and give them a surgery and biologically try to change their gender, which is impossible. Because if you take their DNA, I don't care how many surgeries they have, you take their DNA and you look at it under a microscope, it will tell you male or female, and that's it. I don't care if they're drag queens and they dress like a man or dress like a woman and try to be the opposite sex or try to be a giraffe or try to be a lion or a buffalo or an elephant. I don't care what they try to be. You cannot deny what's in your blood. And I'm going to tell you right now, since they're doing that, I'm going to say this. I cannot deny what's in his blood that is now in me that makes me part of him. So when I identify what the Word of God says about me, are you with me? When I, when I, when I identify what the Word says, who did the Word of God come to? God's. Little G. Not objects of worship. Even Jesus quotes this. To whom did the Word of God come to? To God's offsprings of the God. The Bible says that Jesus is the root and the offspring. He's both. He was the first seed that went in the ground and he's the seed that come up. He's both. He said, because if I don't, if a quarter of wheat don't go in the ground and die, it will abide alone. But he had to die to bring forth many after its own kind. Amen. Amen. I, I've said it before, some of you haven't heard it, but some of you have, so if you have, you hear it again. I am not a human having a spiritual experience. I am a supernatural being having a human experience. I am an eternal being. I came from God and I'm going back to God. 
When you break that phrase down, let me tell you what it actually means. I came from being God and I'm going back to being God. Well, that shook some of you. Well, let me ask you this. Is it true you are what you eat? Science has proven that you are what you eat. And if you're feeding on the pure, unadulterated word of the Son of Man, then I'm telling you, we are becoming the Word made flesh again. You feed on the Word, you become the Word. You feed on the world, you become the world. Whatever, whatever you're being influenced by is pulling you in that direction. You lay down with dog, you get up with fleas. You, you, you stay in the word of God. You listen to the prophet of God. You stay in the messages. Come on, somebody. You go to church on a regular basis. We are slowly, little by little, becoming the word. Jesus was born the word, but we're growing into becoming the word. I wasn't born the fullness of God. Jesus was, but I'm growing into it. As I feed upon the word of God, I become the word of God. Well, if you believe it, say amen. Amen. Now they can identify, they can do everything that they want to do out there and it has to be accepted because of politics. Because it's, it's become so offensive to say anything that is contrary to their beliefs. And yet people call us crazy. When all we're doing is reading God's Word. Living God's Word. Feasting on hidden manna. Feasting on roasted lamb. We're just doing what the Word of God tells us to do. And it's changing us. We are being transformed. Huh? Paul says, I travail in birth until Christ be formed in you. Oh, y'all, some of y'all didn't get that. Until Christ be formed, not in another dimension, but in you. Greater is he that's... Too many preachers put God in another dimension. He's not in another dimension. His kingdom is not somewhere off in a galaxy somewhere. I am the kingdom of God. His throne is my heart. He does not dwell in a, in, a, in, a, in a tabernacle made with hands. But a body hast thou prepared me. A body. That he wanted to dwell in. See, Satan got ahead of God's program and embodied the human race. This is what God wanted to do. Satan got ahead of him. And impregnated Eve. But this was God's plan in the beginning. God wanted a family. God wanted to be one with his family. God wanted unity with his family. Can you imagine an eternal being, God, the infinite, omnipresent, omniscient God, wanted you? Sometimes I don't even want me. Sometimes I don't like me. 
But he chose me from the foundation of the world because he knew down on the inside of me when the word come forth, something inside of me would say amen to the word of God. Ah, let me hurry. Oh my. Got a whole lot of hay, big fork, and a little time. We were living now when Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. And it was time for them to cross over Jordan. And now Joshua, the Bible says that Joshua was magnified in the sight of the people. So it was now time for the symphony to change. From, from Moses' ministry to now a Joshua ministry. And I know that some people in the message preach that Brother Branham was Joshua, but Brother Branham tells us who Joshua is. It is the Holy Ghost. And he also says that God will raise up Joshua's, plural, to take the bride into the promised land. We are in right now the changing of the symphony. Moses, my servant, is... That ministry is completed. The mystery of God is finished. And now the symphony has changed. Now John is magnified. Revelation 10. After the angel, the mystery of God is finished. The angel is now off the scene. Now John, being a type of the bride, is now magnified. Now John, you take that same book that the angel had. You take that same message that was brought forth from a vindicated prophet. Because this book ain't closed no more. This is an open book. The mighty angel came down with an open book in his hand. Now John, you take this book. And John, you eat. Isn't it amazing that the fall was eating of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat except one tree thou mayest not eat, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It was eating that caused the fall. So it had to be eating or relationship that brings man back into fellowship with God again. That's why John had to eat the book. Now we're not talking about taking a, you know, taking a bite out of an apple or an orange or a watermelon. No, we're not talking about that kind of eating. This eating is as an adulterous woman eateth and wipeth her mouth. It is an intimate relationship. Why would an adulterous woman eat, wipe her mouth, and say, I've done no wrong? It's not wrong to eat. Because that ain't the type of eating she was doing. That's why, that's why Solomon called her an adulterous woman. Because she was having relationships. And so now John is commanded, you now take this book and eat this book. And it's going to be sweet in your mouth but bitter in your belly. You remember when you first got saved? Can some of you remember back that far? I can. I still remember back that far. Oh my, you can take on hell with a water pistol. Where'd that devil at? You remember? About six months later. 
It becomes bitter because of the persecution. Because of the friends you had left you. So-called friends. Family members left you. It becomes bitter. But, but Jesus says when you're persecuted for my namesake, you're blessed. Blessed are men. When, when men shall revile you and persecute you and do all manner of things against you for my namesake, you're blessed. Oh, I don't have this, Brother Daniel. I don't have a new home and I don't have a new car and I don't have it. Listen, you don't understand what God's blessings are. Those things out there is because you got good credit. There was a woman asked the brother one time, said, if God gives me a car, does it come with a payment book? I've heard people in the parking lot over the years drive up in a brand new spit shine car. And you open it up and there's devils all in there. You know, you, you knew that, right? All new cars have demons inside. When you open it up and that new smell hits you, devil's all over you. I got to buy me a new car just because of the smell. I just buy me one of them air fresheners from Walmart that says new car scent. Look what God gave me. Look, look at this, what God gave me. How much did it cost you? What do you mean? Did it come with a payment book? Well, yeah, then not, God didn't give it to you. Do you have to pay for something God gives you? Then he didn't give it to you. Because see, you don't pay for salvation because he gives that to you. People think they're carnal things that they have as, oh, God's blessing me. Listen, there's people out there that's got way more stuff than us. So does that mean that God likes them more than us? No. That has nothing to do with it. Neither if you, if you don't have two nickels to rub together don't mean that God don't love you neither. That has nothing to do with your relationship with God with how much you have or how much you don't have. If you don't have much on this earth, don't worry about it. You've got a much better place you're headed for. The thing about it is, God will supply all your needs. There's a, lot, there's, a, there's a big difference between wants and needs. And we need to teach our children the difference between wants and needs. Because the, the words have been, uh, trans, uh, uh, have been turned around. I never went to my father and told him I needed anything. Because my dad made sure all my needs were met. Because he was my father. But I did go to him and tell him things I wanted. Didn't necessarily mean I was going to get it. But my needs were met. Are we together? And just because God don't give you what you think you deserve... Well, God let so-and-so have this guy in and so-and-so's paying for it. I had some, my brother-in-law passed me on the road yesterday and he stopped, rolled down his window and he's in his 
his little Nissan pickup, right? And I'm driving my Mustang. And so I stopped, rolled down the window. He said, hey, you want to trade vehicles? I said, hey, you want to trade payment books? He said, no, nah, I'm good. I said, I thought so. People think because other people have more things that God likes them more. That's hogwash. How much did Elijah have when he had to drink from a brook and have an unclean birds bring in crackers? Paul had one coat. Told Timothy, when you go down there, bring my coat to me. Hello, somebody. I'm not against prosperity. I'm not against wealth. I'm not against people having money. I'm not against it. I'd like a whole lot myself. Because my Bible does tell me I would that you would prosper as your soul prospers. So it's still in there. I know it's being abused, but it's still in there. And I still hold on to it. I ain't giving up on God's word. He said he wanted me to prosper. Bless God. I want to prosper. We agree on that. So I'm just waiting on it. It's coming. Praise the Lord. I don't care how many bad things happen in between. He said we would prosper. I know how my soul's prospered. You know how your soul's prospered. And he wants your flesh to prosper as your soul has prospered. If God has revealed this message to you, I'm here to tell you, your soul has prospered. Message Shalom, Brother Ram says, Now to you adults, the scripture is God's symphony. Only the composer knows what it really means and he reveals it to those who are listening. Who are interested in knowing what the drama is. It's interesting to hear Brother Branham talk about what life is. He said it's one great big drama that is being played out. And you do understand that God has already seen this played out. God's not surprised at who our president is. God's not surprised by who our governor is. God's not surprised at your situation. God has already seen all of this come before him and happen. He designed it this way. Brother Ram said he's a great architect. And he has designed things to go a certain way. Listen, the whole, I talked about it the other day. The Holocaust was a horrific time for the Jews. Terrible. If you ever, ever read about it, seen pictures, it is absolutely inhumane. But yet, our prophet tells us it was the tender hand of Jehovah. How many wants the tender hand of Jehovah in your life? See how quiet it gets. See, we don't yet understand God. We don't understand His nature fully. We don't understand His purpose fully. We don't understand His plan fully. See, God knew exactly what it would take for 144,000 to get drove back to their homeland. And it took for them a holocaust. I don't know what it's going to take for you. I don't know what it's going to take for me. But whatever it's going to take, God's going to do it. To put us in the place and position we belong in His mind. That he's seen from the foundation of the world. That's why he said those he's called he's justified. And those he's justified he's already glorified. Because in his mind he's already seen it. He's already seen everything played out. 
That's why God's not surprised by anything. Nothing that has ever happened has ever surprised God. God has never been taken uh, by surprise or caught off guard. He knew it was going to happen before it happened. He knew it was going to happen before it was even planned to be happened. That's the kind of God we serve. He knows what you've been through and he knows what you're going to go through. And he has already prepared a purpose and a plan for your life. Before the foundation of the world, it's already been laid out. God does not have an eraser on his pencil. Because God don't make mistakes. So he don't have to erase anything. He don't have to change his plan. Oh, I wish God would have done this. Why? Why would you want to change the mind of God? When he knows way more than we do. Yes, there's many things in our life we don't understand. We don't have answers for many questions in our life. But that's where faith and trust comes into play. We have to have faith in an eternal God, in an infinite God that knows the end from the beginning and knows everything. And he is in full control. For I stand here before you having been preached a quarter of a century of my life. And I still have many questions that I don't have answers for. I have people come to me with questions that I can't answer and I am man enough to tell them I don't know. But what I do know is when I don't know and you don't know, I know one that does know. And that's who we turn to. God, I don't understand this, but I do believe you're in control. And I do believe Romans 8, 28. I do believe it will all work together for my good in the end. I can't see how in the world it's going to happen, but it it ain't up to me because it's not my word, it's his. But some way, somehow, just like Brother Joe told you his testimony, by his brother, no reflection on his brother, but it was just God's timing. And he he wanted more work so he could prosper and have more money. Ain't a thing wrong with that. He's got bills to pay. And he rides by a house that's being built by this builder, Cox Builders, that to his wife, I wish that God would open that door. For 15 years, his brother been trying to get that. I know it's going out there, but he already told it. So, 15 years, his brother's been trying to get this man's work. He builds many houses a year. A lot of sheetrock. So, Brother Joel told me, he said, I'm not going to make this work. If God wants me to have this, then God will open the door. And he gets home from vacation and he gets a phone call from the very builder that he wanted to work for that his brother tried for 15 years to get his work. God is in control. God makes it work when we can't make it work. God makes a way when there seems to be no way. How would you feel? How would you feel if your prophet led you to a Red Sea and the army behind you? I'm going to tell you how you'd feel. You'd start questioning the leader. He led us into a trap. We'd start questioning God's leadership. Don't look at me like that. I know how humans think because I'm still a human too. But God purposely led them into a trap to show them his power. And 
they get all riled up and upset. Oh my, there's the army and there's the sea and there's mountains and there's mountains. We're trapped. What are we going to do? Stand still. Moses, I called you to this purpose. I didn't call you to a trap. I called you to the promised land. Speak the word and go forth. Then could you imagine how you had felt then? When all of a sudden with a blast from God's nostrils. I say it this way, not, not to be offensive, but God may, may, it may have just sneezed. I don't, have, I don't know how deep the Red Sea was then and don't care but however deep it was it all rolled back science says the, the, the gap was three miles wide for that many people to walk across and they didn't walk across in mud puddles what kind of God are we serving they walked on dry land And then all of a sudden, I'm getting a lot of limbs on this tree. All of a sudden then when they get over in their promised land, more mumbling and grumbling and complaining. Oh, we've just uh, been left in Egypt. We remember the leeks and the garlics and the melons. That's why Moses got so angry. Must we fetch water from this rock? Here now, ye rebels. Can you imagine, people, if I come out here and said that to you? Here now, you bunch of rebels. Rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. You don't want me to call you a rebel. But Brother Ram said that was Moses' weakness. That he lost the feeling of the people. Because they grumbled and complained constantly. But God prepared a table in the wilderness. And they woke up the next morning and the ground's covered with manna that looked like coriander seed. And it's like, what is this? Take it to Moses and say, eat it, it's your food for six days. I told you God was going to prepare a table in the wilderness. Even though you doubted it, God's word will not fail. Even when Abraham and Sarah lied, they still had an Isaac. Because nothing's going to stop God's word from coming to pass. So Joshua now, Moses, my servant, is dead. Isn't it amazing that we live in this generation and people don't believe Joshua won. They don't believe that Brother Branham is dead. They believe he's coming back to finish his work. No, God was very clear with Joshua. Moses, my servant, is. And see, God hid him so well that Satan to this day does not even know the burial place of Moses. How many knows that's the Bible? Satan does not even know the burial place of Moses. So the question was, did he die? Well, God said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Question answered. Now, therefore, you, symphony is changing. 
Ministry is changing. But understand this, Joshua. What the man before you, your predecessor, what he brought to you down from Mount Sinai, do not add to it. Do not take from it. Stay with exactly what he said. And you take the priests, the ministry, not a machine, not a tape player, not an iPhone, not an Android, not a tablet, not a laptop. You take the ministry to carry the word. And now God is going to show to the people that now the ministry, since even though the symphony is now changing, Moses is dead, he's gone off the scene, his ministry is finished. And now God is moving now into a five-fold ministry to carry the word that the prophet brought to show the people that as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. And the Bible says when Joshua put the ark on the shoulders of the priest, when their feet touched the water, and in the minds of these, these were the children now, those that died and their carcasses rotted in the wilderness. These are the children now of those people. Remember God said you're not going to see the promised land. But the children no doubt heard the stories of what had happened at the Red Sea. And now they see Moses is gone. Who's going to take us over to the promised land? Because now we got another body of water in front of us. See, God does not change, but the symphony does. So when the priest's feet touch the water, the same thing that happened under the ministry of Moses happened under the ministry of fivefold. He's still the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. He cannot change and remain God. So when Brother Ram goes on, my time's already gone. But when he goes on, he says, the scripture is God's symphony. Only the composer knows what, really, what it really means and reveals it to those who are listening, who are interested in knowing what the drama is. But you'd have to know about a symphony. Throughout the whole sermon, he calls it sympathy. <laughs> Seventh grade education, but it's symphony, okay? So I'm going to say symphony, and if you're you know, uh, offended by that, get over it. Because it's not sympathy, it's symphony. Anyway, you know, people are that dogmatic. In case y'all didn't know, people are that dogmatic. Don't you change one word of what he said. Why? It don't fit. It's not God's sympathy. It's God's symphony. <laughs> oh my. He said, but you have to know about God's symphony first, see. It's not just something you see. It's the changing, the junctions of the word of the music. It throws sometimes. It's going this way for a while, a certain beat. After a while, it changes all around, like I explained in the beginning about music. What is it? To you who wouldn't understand it or don't know nothing about it, not interested in it, it's just a racket or a fuss. But to those who know about it, they're watching for it because they know it's coming. What? The changing of the symphony. 
And here we are today. Things that are happening in our culture, in our nations, around the world that this world has never experienced. Even though we read things in the Bible, they didn't even know what Paul was talking about back then because it wasn't happening back then. But now you and I are seeing what he said would happen. And what Isaiah said in Isaiah 5, they're calling evil good and good evil and bitter sweet and sweet bitter. I was, uh, I was on, online the other day on my laptop and most of you know the name. I'll, I'll call the name of the man that was a tremendous, tremendous talented songwriter. And we still sing a couple of his songs here because Gibson Collins over that repentance. You can be gifted and still be a devil. His name was Ray Bolts. He wrote The Anchor Holds. I will praise the Lord. Several songs that we sing here, he wrote. And after five children with his wife, 30-something years of marriage, he comes out of the closet and says he's homosexual. Now, this has been 15, 16, 18 years ago. And he all of a sudden, about five kids with his wife, been married to her for 30-some years. He's in his early 50s. And he comes out and says, I've been you know, fighting this for many years, and I'm tired of fighting it. And he tries to make people believe, just like all the homosexuals, I was born this way. And I can't help that I'm attracted to men. Oh, whoa, time out, dude. Mm, you just struck a nerve in me, brother. I can't, you can't help you're attracted to men? Bless God, I can, brother. I can help it because it don't happen to me. I ain't never seen a man that was attracted to me. Never. You ain't born that way. It's a devil. And they try to make these children believe, well, you can't help the way that you are. You're attracted to the same sex, so why don't you just go that way? Instead of cleaning out the closet, they come out. Now see, you know, we understand the symphony has changed. Because back 30, 40, 50 years ago, you'd have been beat half to death. Listen, I ain't, and I'm not talking about Christians. I'm talking about unbelievers. Beat you to death. You come out saying you're queer. A man say he's attracted to another man. All right, get the ball bats, boys. I'm finna hit a home run. You, you had to remain in the closet back then. They didn't tolerate it. The public didn't tolerate it. Television didn't even tolerate it. Hello, church. But now it's everywhere. And I come across this video, and I hadn't seen or heard anything about Ray Bolt since he went come out of the closet. So, so his picture popped up, and he was singing at this church. And this, and obviously, you could tell that everybody in the church was just like him. 
I'm not a rocket scientist, but I ain't an idiot either. The pastor that invited him up to sing, I thought, well, he, he's queer too. The way he was hugging on him, and I was like, oh, Jesus. I was just about to start selling Buick. Here he's got, now he's in church. He's in a church that promotes homosexuality. Quote scripture. And he's singing, and he's got two big old earrings. And he's singing the same songs he wrote 20 years ago. And right after he come out of the closet saying he's gay, you know what the song he wrote, the first song he wrote? After the anchor holds and after I will praise the Lord and after all the wonderful songs that he wrote, the first song he wrote after he come out saying he was gay, don't tell me who to love. And I'm telling you right now, don't nobody go watch that video. I had never heard it. I had heard about it, but I'd never heard it. And I wanted to see what it was about, and I wish to God I'd never laid eyes on it. He had, he had uh, uh, videos of gay pride marches in this, in this video of this song. Don't tell me who to love. Men holding hands with men. Women holding hands with women. The six-colored flag everywhere. All about gay pride. Don't tell me who to love. Sickening. Not just sickening because these people are coming out gay. Sickening now because churches. The symphony has changed. They don't want to offend nobody. Everybody is welcome. Yeah, that's true. You can come in here gay, but you ain't going to leave that way. Because I ain't going to tolerate you staying here that way. The Holy Ghost ain't going to tolerate. You're welcome to come, but you're going to get in this altar and get saved. You're either going to get right or get out. You ain't going to remain that way. I believe God saves homosexuals, but I, I believe the homosexual has to want to be saved. They have to want to be delivered. Things have changed. They say when a woman gets impregnated, it's just a mass of cells. There's no, there's no, no life there. It's just a mass of cells. So they feel justified in the abortion clinics. I heard a song yesterday that a man wrote his own testimony that he and his girlfriend, he quote unquote accidentally got her pregnant at 17 years of age. They was both 17. And she come to him and told him, this is all in the song. Told him that she was pregnant. He says, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to settle down. I got my life to live. I'm not ready to be a daddy. So in the song, he said, we had two options. Adoption or abortion. And they chose abortion. And he said, on my way out, this is in the song. I'm telling you, I'm not singing it to you. I'm telling you the words of the song. On their way out of the abortion clinic, after killing the child, the man that's singing the song hears the doctor tell the nurse, 
that it was a girl. And in the song, he said, beside my, beside my bed, there's a picture of my unborn baby in a frame with no picture. And he said, I would lay in bed at night wondering, did she have blue eyes like Janie? That was the girl's name that was pregnant. Did she have brown hair like me? Did she have blue eyes like Janie? Would she be tall? Would she have been short? What would she have been had we not took her life? These doctors and these clinics have no idea the mental trauma that they put these people through. Years later, the regret. Because when they're young, they I got my whole life. That's in the song. I got my whole life to live before me. I don't want to be a daddy now. So let's just do away with it. And then later in life, he's wondering. She would have been about 18 now. What would she have looked like? What would she have been like? What, was her, what would her personality be like? Would she have brown hair like me and blue eyes like Jane? And the trauma, and people have taken their life after an abortion because of the mental torment. Yet the doctors tell him it's not a life, it's just a mass of cells. Then why does it trouble these people so much? Why does it bother these people so much? Because they know deep inside there was a life in them. And these people are guilty of mass murder. Genocide. I wish I had the numbers before me, but there's no telling how many millions of them on top of millions of babies that have been aborted in this country alone. And it's okay. Because the government says it's okay. It's okay because legislation says it's okay. Gay marriage is okay because legislation is passed by Obama. No, it's condemned by God. God says, woe unto you that call good evil and evil good and bitter sweet and sweet bitter. Woe unto you. And he goes on to say, I read it, you, you read it with me. You will burn in hell for it. Because hell hath enlarged itself and you that are guilty of this will descend into it. It's coming. Yeah, judgment's on its way. And these people that are out having what they think is a good time. No, gee, we're the ones that are really having the good time. Then people have no idea what a good time is. See, when I get drunk on the Holy Ghost, I don't wake up with a hangover. My testimony is, my personal testimony is I've never been drunk on natural alcohol in my life. But I have been drunk. I know what it's like to be drunk on the Holy Ghost. I know what it's like for the anointing to fall down. And God used my lips to speak prophetically. Yes, 
And then the testimony come back, and I don't even remember what I said. And the testimony come back, do you remember when you said this? When you stood there and prayed over Sister Mita and said she's going to have a child, and I'm going to dedicate a perfectly healthy child. Well, you know what? They have it. And that's just one of many things that have happened in this church and one of many more that's going to keep happening. Second Corinthians 4, I've got to hurry. It says that in this, in this generation, the people's minds have been blinded. See, Israel's eyes were blinded to the fact that Jesus was Messiah. But in this generation, their minds... That's why they call good evil and evil good. Because their minds are twisted. Under the Trump administration, I'm not here to preach politics, but I'm telling you facts. Under the Trump administration for four years, we never had one mass shooting. Google it. Yahoo it. Bing it. Safari. Whatever you want to do. But under this administration, we have one almost every week. You know why? Because it, as it was in the days of Noah, days of violence, as it was in the days of Lot, perversion, sexual perversion. It's everywhere you look. Brothers, I feel sorry for you as I feel sorry for me. Everywhere you look is nakedness. You can't even study anything on the internet. You can't even do a, a clean study and, and, and try to find out something with some kind of advertisement with a half-naked woman on it. You don't have, have to worry about billboards on the highway no, no more. It's right there on your phone, right there on your laptop. What makes people do that? It's the devil. The sympathy has changed. Brother Ram said women in the last days will be so beautiful nearly dry. The sons of God insane. That's why 10 years ago I didn't preach on divorce hardly. But now I do. Because things have changed. Because young people are marrying for the wrong reasons. And when the fun of the bedroom runs out, now all of a sudden they don't like one another no more. Oh, y'all quiet. <laughs> That's why I preach what I preach. And I'm not going to stop preaching what I preach about dating and courtship. Thank you, Jesus. Because it saves people from scars. It makes them, it makes them marry their friend. It makes them get to know one another on a friendship basis. Because if you don't marry your best friend, that marriage is in trouble. Too many of them because preachers won't preach it. Oh, but you see, see what happens here. Uh, my wife got into an interesting conversation, and I'll close down here in about five minutes. Don't hold me to that, but about five minutes. My wife got into an interesting conversation with another pastor's wife about my teachings on dating, courtship, and marriage. And she, the other, the other pastor's wife totally disagreed with my teachings on it. And said, well, my husband don't teach it that way. He allows the young people in our church to date. My wife said, that's his business. Every church is sovereign. Whatever he wants to preach is his business. But my husband preaches it this way for the sake of the young people. I don't gain anything from it. I don't get any, I don't get any extra tithing for preaching it that way. <laughs> There's no, I don't have an ulterior motive to preach it that way. 
Oh, but you're, 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 you're taking fun away from the young people. No, I'm taking scars from them. Because if you don't put boundaries. Come on, parents. If you don't put boundaries, they'll do everything. And then come to church and sing the songs of Zion and raise their hands and praise the Lord. When Friday night they slept in an alley somewhere with another girl. Because there was no chaperone like I preach it. You ain't going to do that nonsense with somebody sitting in the back seat looking at you. Oh, but see, all of a sudden, when this same sister that was married to this pastor, when their children got to the age of dating, my wife gets a phone call. You remember the conversation we had years ago? Because I preached this back in early 2000s. Dating, courtship, and marriage. She gets a phone call. She said, you remember the conversation? Oh, yeah, I remember it well. She said, well, my husband is now preaching the same thing your husband is. Because they now have children at that age that they want to try to keep the scars from them. It's amazing how all of a sudden I got right. <laughs> when it was their children that they were sending out, letting them go on a date and thinking the whole, whole, whole Friday night, what are they doing? Well, I know what I was doing at that age. Call them, bring them home, get them home. Because I know what I did at that age. Come on, church. And all human flesh is still human flesh. And I don't care how much Holy Ghost you got in your soul, your flesh ain't got a nickel's worth of it. Well, praise the Lord. The symphony has changed. I gotta quit. David says these words, and we need to live by them. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 104, 105. We need to live by this, that this Bible is our guiding book. We need to live. You got questions? The answers are in there. Come on, somebody. Amen. But see, people are too distracted by other entertainment. I wonder, I just wonder, as I close this down, and I know it's going to be on a negative note, and I don't mean it for it to be, but sometimes it just happens that way. I wonder if we spend as much time reading the Bible as we did on Facebook. <laughs> on social media. I say Facebook because I'm not on any other uh, platforms. I don't deal with all that other stuff, y'all, that... Most some some of you not most of you some of you do all them other social media platforms that anyway I'm, that's for another sermon and I'm coming to it. I wonder what kind of Christians we would be if we spent as much time or even a fourth of the time reading the Bible, listening to the messages at home. Rather than entertaining things. Doing things that entertain our flesh. I wonder what kind of Christian. We wonder why that we're, we just don't feel like that we're where we need to be. You know why? Because we've been distracted. 
And we've lost our place on the sheet music. And once you get distracted, I'm telling you because I've done it, playing music. You get distracted, you lose your place, you got to try your best to find. Where are they at? Where are they at? Where are they at? What note are they playing? Because you don't want to come in on the wrong note. Don't get distracted by the world. If you love the world or the things, the love of the Father is not in you. We are called to be a separate people. We're not called to, to try to stick out and be odd and peculiar and weird and cultish. No. That's not what God called us to be. But he did call us to come out of her. Be not partakers of her sins. Be a separate people. There's so many things of the world that has crept into the message. Crept into message homes. Creeping into message churches. Morals and standards and ways of living. Years ago was wrong. Was preached against. I heard them with these ears. Every time an evangelist would come, when I was a young person, we would get hammered. How many of y'all remember? Some of y'all was in church back then. Every time an evangelist come through, if I was old enough, I would have stayed home. But I lived at home, and I had to go to church. I didn't have a choice. If I knew so-and-so was coming by, I didn't want to hear that man preach because I knew where I was going to end up, right in the altar. But you don't hear it anymore. You don't hear sin preached on. You don't hear morals and standards. People say, no, Brother Daniel, I want to hear you say, I want to hear you preach deep things. Well, once we get the ABCs down, we can move on to algebra. And see, we're still, we're still trying to live a Christian life every day. We're still struggling the greatest battle ever fought every day. What good is it for you to know all the deep, dark mysteries of the Bible when people can't even live right? You can know all the mysteries of the Bible and still go to hell. Because if you don't know the author, you're going to hell. Knowing the book ain't enough. Don't get quiet on me. Knowing the book ain't enough. You got to know the one that wrote the book. You got to have a relationship with him. Let your symphony change this morning. Let your life be turned around this morning. Let your focus change this morning. Come on, somebody. We got to stop letting ourselves get caught up in Laodicea and get caught away in the Word of God. Let's stand. I got to quit. Man. This morning on the way to church, Ava rode with me. I'll leave the other twin alone this morning. Ava said, she's nine years old. She said, Daddy, she says, you know, when you preach, I didn't know what she was going to say. Daddy, when you preach, what's coming out next? She said, Daddy, when you preach, it just seems like you quit and you had just started. Yeah. <laughs> More people need to get a nine-year-old revelation. She said, the time you quit, it's like you, he just got started. I look up at the clock and it's time for y'all to go eat. And I feel like I just got started. 
And I'm not even going to apologize for how long I preached this morning. Bless that wonderful name of Jesus. Bless that wonderful name of Jesus. Well, bless that wonderful name of Jesus. No other name that I know. Bless that wonderful name. Why don't you bless that wonderful name of Jesus? Bless that Jesus, no other name. There's power. No, there's power in the name. Well, I said there's power in the name of Jesus. Well, there's power in the name of Jesus. No other name. There's
praise this morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm glad I came to church. And you know, the, the good thing about it is we got one more. You want to come back for round two? You can handle round two? Come back for round two around 430. If you can, be here at four. Settle down and prepare your heart, prepare your mind, prepare your spirit. Read your Bible, pray, and seek the Lord. And see what God will do tonight. Oh my, I look for God to do something every service. Every service. There's one thing I don't want to happen around here, and if it ever does, I'm resigning. If it ever becomes traditional. 
that ever becomes dead. Y'all can have it all. But see, I know you better than that. Y'all want it just like I do. Alive and well. <laughs> it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. And I'm glad the, the, the song we sang says there'll be no dying there. Because uh, Brother Greg and Sister Frankie are at their at her uncle's funeral today. Um, she had contacted my wife and asked if we would pray. I'm not going to go into any details. But you know sometimes how family can get. Brother Bram said we fight in the backyard. <laughs> Some of you look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You're the most guilty. <laughs> What's he talking about? We don't fight in the backyard. No, y'all WWE wrestle. <laughs> Body slam. Jump. Y'all don't jump off the top rope. Y'all jump off the roof. <laughs> So sometimes there gets some friction between family members. It happens. And, and I dare say in every family, to one degree or another. It don't mean you don't love them. You just don't like them. <laughs> you, know, you just don't like to be around them. You know? <laughs> I, threw, I threw a curve to some of you. It's, you know, it's not that you want anything bad to happen to them. It's like I, I say it this way. I want you to eat, but I just don't want you eating with me. You know, people that you can't, the, the negative, negative atmosphere, always talking negative and talking about people and gossiping, running their mouth. I don't want you starved. I want you to eat, but find somebody else to eat with. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't want you to starve. I want you to eat, but just not with me. Uh, and that's, sometimes that's the way it is with family. It just happens. It happens in churches. People won't shake one another's hands. But I'm going to tell you this right now. There ain't none of that going to be in heaven. You better get all those things straightened out here. Or you're going to have trouble at the gate. So there was a situation in the family. And Sister Frankie got in touch with my wife and asked me if I would go to prayer because... I've been in that position more times than I care to remember. Family situations, family squabbles, and I don't even want to think about it, but it, it, it happens. So I went to prayer because I've been there. And uh, brother Frank, uh, brother, Sister Frankie's dad's brother, they had had some friction. So we prayed, and, and God moved. We got the report back that God moved in a special way, and uh, God allowed certain things to happen that we prayed about uh, before He passed, and we're so grateful. Uh, and so that, that's where they're at today. And then some of the sisters, some of you seen some of the sisters leave. Um, there's a family that's been coming for the past several months. Some of you know them, um, the Wayne sister Sherry. They've been coming. Uh, and they pay tithes, so they consider me to be their pastor. So we consider them to be part of this church. And so her aunt, Etta, passed away last week. And the memorial is this afternoon. And they're having it uh, the other side of Monroe. And so 
since they're part of our church, what we do, we don't try to put on airs. We don't try to be arrogant about what we do. This is what we've done for 23 years. When there's a funeral, there's people grieving. We do everything we can to help. We fix food. We buy food. We set out food. We serve people. We do things for, for people that, that, are, that have lost loved ones. We've done it for people that none of you knew. I, we've, I've preached funerals for people I never met. And we fed the family, made sure they was comfortable taken care of. I believe that's what God's children should do. And so some of the sisters got together and they're taking food and they're going to serve the family this afternoon. And uh, uh, some of you, um, how many, how, most of them's left, but there's a couple of, of you that was here that was with us when we was at Vine Street. Well, if you was with me at Vine Street when I first started the church in 2000, there was a brother that came to church there. He was six foot seven with solid white hair, and his name was Bill York. Well, I just found out last year that Brother Bill had passed, and I didn't know it. When we moved to this building, it was too far for him to drive at his age, so he couldn't keep coming. But he absolutely fell in love with, with me and my ministry. He had come out, out of George Pike's cult ministry on um, George L. Pike freeway there in Monroe. He had come out of that and started coming to the church in Monroe. It's and it's a small world, but um, Sister Sherry, that was her uncle. And and Sister Etta was Brother Bill's wife that passed. And I, did, I had no idea the connection was there. And uh, if you know anything about George Pike and what all went on over there, uh, I do. I, kn I know way too much. And I'm, gonna, I'm here to tell you that these people that come out of that cult are so scarred, they're so beat down, it's hard for them to trust any minister because they was taken advantage of so, so bad. I remember going as a child, uh, I was, I don't know, six, seven, eight years of age. We went to that church one time. It was Alpha and the Omega. Once my daddy seen what was going on there, he said, we will never step foot back in that church. Let me tell, let me tell you how bad it got. I remember seeing that walking in and there was only lights on the platform the audience was dark lights on the platform and when you walk like we have those beautiful double doors that you walk through into the sanctuary well they had 1960s beads you know the hanging beads y'all remember those beads that, that was a doorway well that's what they had to come into the sanctuary you had to go through the beads to get into the sanctuary and once you get into the sanctuary on the, pl on the platform was a throne and engraved on the top of the throne was King George because his name was George Pike and we sing the song to be like Jesus they sang to be like George to be I'm telling you the truth these are facts it was a horrible horrible cult he actually started printing his own money and the government got involved and shut him down he had his own post office on his grounds. When, when you went to that church, you brothers, when you come home with your paycheck on Friday or whenever you got paid, you signed it, you give it to him, and he gave you pipe money. And you spent that money on his grounds. It got that bad. But in the beginning, when he first started preaching, he was preaching the message. He was preaching about Brother Branham, the message, the seals, the thunders, everything. I mean, he was straight. And then he started getting arrogant. And then he started getting pompous. And then he started getting full of himself and thinking that he was the Joshua. 
started preaching. He was the only Joshua that was leading the bride, and everybody had to come to his church. And he prophesied that they would never shovel dirt in his face. And he died in 1997. So to fulfill his prophecy, they buried him above ground. Now listen, friend. If a man prophesies that you're not, nobody's going to shovel dirt in my face, you're telling me that I'm not going to die. I'm not an idiot. You're telling me I'm not going to die. Well, he died in 97. So they helped God out in the prophecy because <laughs> they felt God needed some help because otherwise it would have been a false prophecy in their eyes. Well, it was a false prophecy. He's dead in a doornail, right? So they built a sepulcher, a tomb above ground. And you can go outside of Monroe uh, on George L. Pike Highway and you can see the above ground tomb that is you can see from the highway so they buried him, buried him above ground to help God out fulfill the prophecy and so these people that have come out brother Luke Gibson has some of the people brother Joseph uh, Hammond has some of his people that has left when, when I was in Monroe we had some of the, their people that had left there and then now uh, Sherry and Wayne Wayne mostly his family had come out of there and he's just been really, really scarred, really, really scarred. So uh, just hold them up before the Lord because when somebody's been scarred so bad by ministers, it's a difficult thing to gain that confidence because if one, they th in, the, in the mind, if one's doing it, then th this one's going to do it. And they think in their mind, not these people, just other pe people in general, well, if one's doing it, then they're all going to do it. But that's not true. We know that's not true. If there's a false, there has to be a genuine. And the thing about it is, if there's a fault, you leave, leave the fault and you keep searching until you find the genuine. Because there can't be a fault unless there's a genuine. Because the fault was copied off the genuine. So anyway, I said that uh, because her, her aunt was Brother Bill York's um, wife. And I didn't know that. I didn't know the connection. It's a weird, small world after all, isn't it? It's a real small world. So... Anyway, um, they'll be at the memorial funeral this afternoon there, and then Brother Greg and Sister Frankie are at her uncle's funeral today. So hold them up before the Lord, if you would. Let's just bow our heads before we go. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our gathering together this morning, Lord. And to be in your presence, to be in your house, has been dedicated for your worship, for your service, to you and to you alone. We're so grateful that we still have certain religious rites that we can come and gather together with saints of like precious faith and worship you in spirit and in truth. And I pray, God, the word this morning found good ground. Lord, I, 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 I know certain things was said that may have been hard or cutting, but I know I was anointed. I know that you came down and you spoke for me this morning to somebody, Lord. And I pray, God, we would take what we heard this morning and apply it to our lives. We know the world is going to hell in a handbasket, but God, there's a bride that is being washed by the water of the word. She's going to stand pure before you. She's going to stand spotless and blameless before you, God. And I'm so glad, God, to be part of this last day move, of the, this, this last symphony change that's going on right now, Father. Bless your people. Supply every need, God. We pray for Brother Greg and Sister Frankie, Sister Frankie's father and the family there at the loss of her uncle. God, may you give them strength. May you give them comfort at this time of grief and bereavement, Lord. And, and Sherry, God, and her aunt at that past, God, we pray for them, that whole situation, God. Give them strength and comfort this time of grief and bereavement, God. 
Even you as you stood at the tomb of Lazarus, you wept. So you know what grief is. So bless them and comfort their hearts, we pray. Go with us, keep us safe. Bring us back this evening, we pray. In Jesus' name, we ask it for the glory of God. And the church said, amen, amen and amen. Well, let's sing this, stay in the same key if you would. If I get to the right page. One day, I won't need them no more. One day. I'm looking forward to that one day. Every time I look in the mirror and comb this hair and there's a new gray one up there, one day, they'll all be black again and I'll look just like a Mexican again. Y'all remember seeing my wedding pictures? They actually thought I was Mexican. That is not any joke at all. I had a pencil mustache and I was, I was painting at the time and I, I run a crew of Mexicans that was painting the house. I had a guy, a Mexican, come around the house and he seen me and he started just, I mean, rolling off in Spanish to me. And I said, whoa, whoa, no comprende, amigo. That means, friend, I don't understand what you're saying. And that's all about all I knew in Spanish. He said, oh, oh, he spoke English. He said, I thought you was Mexican. I thought you, I thought you knew what I was talking about. I said, just because I'm dark and have a mustache don't make me Mexican. So anyway, one of these days, I'll weigh 150 pounds again. Black hair, no wrinkles, no fake knees, no fake shoulders, no metal in my back. What a day that's going to be. I can't wait. What a fellowship, what a joy divine leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness. What a peace is mine leaning on the everlasting on Well, I'm leaning. I'm safe, secure from all wrong. Yes, I'm leaning, leaning. Oh, sing it again now. Yes, I'm leaning. Everlasting. God bless you. You can be dismissed. We love you in the Lord.